a Highline podcast. It goes without saying that this podcast contains spoilers. If you value ignorance in your reading and watching experience, maybe come back to this show after you've read and watched the featured material. But let's be honest, if you don't know already, he sees dead people. Welcome to Author's Intent. humans welcome to author's intent i am your host dixie lee henning uh so (laughs) i had some uh user error issues with my uh last episode um i don't know if you noticed but it came out like two weeks late (laughs) um so i recorded episode one of beauty and the beast of the disney classics all that stuff. Recorded it, um, had it edited, all of that stuff, um, and then went went back in a couple days later to, you know, put some finishing touches on it, and I could not find the recording anywhere. So naturally, I threw a tantrum because I'm a toddler, and <laughs> just, like, I could not find it anywhere. Anyway, Stephen came home from work, um, and, like, a couple days later, he was like, hey, Dixie, it's right here, you idiot. He didn't say that. He never calls me an idiot, but you get it. Um, so last last week's episode came out a little late, um, and it is literally the episode that I recorded um, initially, so it's not, like, a different episode that I recorded Um so yeah, I I'm I don't do the technology <laughs> very well. Um the fact that I can do this by myself sometimes is pretty impressive in my opinion. All that to say, here's episode two of uh Disney Classics, Beauty and the Beast, part two. Um like I said before, when I am transitioning from one book to another book, I will take a week off in between. So I am actually going, I already have it recorded, but I want to keep keep the system in place where um, I just take a week off between books. So next week, there won't be an episode, which is actually kind of convenient because next week is Thanksgiving. So you're welcome. Um, and then the following week will be the next episode um, and we will be in Sleeping Beauty. So let's just jump right in. I believe we left off in the Beauty and the Beast. Um, I was explaining how... So in the in the live action and in the cartoon, you see Belle uh, like picks up this mirror um, and sees her father being attacked by the townspeople. You have... Gaston, who is not a character in the book at all, but you see Gaston in there um, and she is worried about him because he's like sick. So the beast says, I like I set you free. Like the beast literally is like, you're free to go. And like, yes, that is kind of similar in the book, although it's not uh, specifically said, like, you are free. The beast says, um, you can have two months to go visit your family, um, and then you can come back. And the beast tells Belle, if you don't come back, I will probably be dead, which, okay. 
<laughs> so in in the movies, in the movies, he just lets her go. Um, and then he gets really depressed. Um, and then there's the whole thing with the rose and the petals falling off. And like after the last petal falls, of course, they are stuck in this state forever. The As you know, the rose is not a thing in the book at all. Um, it's not a time limit on it. Uh, it's just the rose is non-existent. The mirror is non-existent. None of that happens. Also, all of the talking household items like uh, Lumiere and Cogsworth and Mrs. Potts don't exist in the book. So the Beast sends Belle home. I believe we stopped with her actually uh, coming home from her family. She has a dream about the Beast um, while she is still visiting her family. And the Beast, she sees the Beast um, lying dead in the on the castle grounds um and she gets you know upset and feels guilty about that so she tells her family i'm gonna go back to the beast now um she turns the ring that she's wearing in her hand um she turns the stone towards her hand like the palm of her hand and she falls asleep like that and she wakes up back in the castle so we see we see uh bell actually searching the castle when she gets back when she wakes up in the morning when she gets back to the castle because she's convinced she's convinced that the beast is lying dead somewhere um so she spends a ton of time searching the entire castle she has some of the like monkey attendants searching the castle with her she checks uh some of the the windows that she goes to she checks the theaters that she goes to in that one specific room um and then she decides that she's gonna check the castle grounds um and she she searches for a really long time and it gets to the point where she's like i have looked over every inch of this place and i cannot find him and she sits in this like alcove in one of the gardens on the castle grounds um and this is when she actually notices that there's this like cave off the kind of off the castle grounds um and she thinks back to the dream that she had about the beast and she's like he is definitely in that cave um and she gets up and she goes over to the cave and sure enough there is the beast lying he is not dead he is unconscious he looks emaciated he looks ill um he is not waking up she tries to wake him up um she panics um and she actually leaves the cave and goes and gets some water for from part of the garden and brings it back and like sprinkles it on his face um and this is actually what wakes him up um and then uh she you know helps him helps him get up and go back into the castle um she makes sure that he is taken care of um and at this point i believe he uh he just he just says that he's surprised that she came back at all um, and we see some of the internal thought processing of Belle as they're having this conversation. Um, and of course, the Beast asks again, will you marry me? And we see we see Belle actually thinking like, well, he's been so kind to me and I do care for him. Um, and it's not like I'm going to have to like she's just going to have to live with him longer so like what's the point in saying no he's been kind and generous to her um and she also is convinced that uh this is the only way to save the handsome stranger that she's had these dreams about so she uh she thinks all of this after after he asks her they make a point to say in the book like she she takes her time thinking about this whereas before when he has asked her this she has been pretty immediate with her answer to say no politely but she still says no um and she says yes i will 
I will marry you. The beast is immediately filled with joy. They have some conversation. The, uh, the, the beast actually accompanies Belle back to her room. They don't sleep together. He just like comes back to the room with her. Um, and I believe they have some more conversation. Um, she actually goes to bed because she is exhausted from the entire day of looking for the beast. Um, and when she goes to bed, she actually has a dream again about the handsome stranger. Um, and the handsome stranger comes to her and says, thank you for releasing me all of these things. I love you. Thank you for doing this for me. Um, she wakes up in the morning and the beast is gone. Um, and he, the beast had fallen asleep on the couch that, um, is in, in Bell's, that is in Bell's quarters. He had fallen asleep there. Um, and when Bell wakes up, he, the beast is not there anymore. Uh, the handsome stranger is asleep on the couch. Um, and Belle, of course, is just elated. Um, she goes over to him and she tries to wake him up and he just will not wake up. She just, I, he's asleep. She knows that he's not ill, um, but he, he's, he's just asleep. So she just leaves him on the couch, um, and she goes about her day, uh, just, you know, going to have breakfast, walking around the castle, all of these things. Um, about midday, you actually see, um, a, a carriage pull up to the castle. This is, okay, so the movies, Gaston fights the beast. The beast, um, doesn't, doesn't kill Gaston. Gaston, like, tries to kill the beast and ends up falling off of the castle, and that's how he dies. Gaston is non-existent in the book, (laughs) um, but in the, in the, in the movie, you see, uh, he gets shot by Gaston, um, and he actually, like, starts to die and of course he's still the beast he actually dies while Belle is holding him um and then she finally says i love you so like the transformative part of the movies is Belle admitting that she loves the beast but the trans the transformative part of the book is Belle agreeing to marry the beast which is a, a very vast difference which i mean it makes more sense in 1740 like getting married was like the answer to problems i guess (laughs) um but like 20th century uh disney you know like we have to make it a love story so that's 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 the biggest part that uh that's different in this specific scenario you don't have guest on and she says i love you to the beast instead of agreeing to marry him and she also does not in the book she does not see him transform from the beast into the prince at all um that that scene in both both movies is you know chef's kiss so good but uh incorrect <laughs> um so yes so she spends spends the day in the castle waiting for the beast to wake up um we see a carriage come up to the castle um and two people exit the carriage um and come inside um and it is at this point that the beast actually wakes up um and we learn that these two people are a fairy fairy godmother essentially and the beast's mother um so they come in and they they see bell um and then the beast comes out um, and he is transformed back into the prince. Of course, uh, the beast is like, yay, we did it. Like, I'm not a beast anymore. Um, and they start having a conversation. The The queen thanks Belle for transforming her son back into the prince. Um, and then she asks specifically, like, who are you? Where are you from? What is your family like? Um, and Belle, of course, t- 
tells the queen, like, my father is this man. He's a merchant. Um, and in this place, I have I have 11 siblings. Um, I'm not particularly well off. My mother died at some point. Um, all of this stuff. And the queen is... I don't even... She pretty much says... Thank you for transforming my son back into the prince, but you are not good enough for my son. Um, And then she actually turns to the fairy godmother and is like, I thought we had this conversation that you were going to find someone that was good enough for my son. That was like equal footing, essentially. And the fairy is like, I, okay, anybody in the position of like wealth and status that I would have brought here would not have been capable of agreeing to marry your son in his beast form like there's nobody on earth that was able to do this except bell she's the only person that would ever be able to do this and then we actually hear the fairy say make a comment about how bell is her niece and this is like where it gets crazy confusing um (laughs) so we find out that Belle is actually not the daughter of that merchant. Uh, She was brought to the merchant by this fairy. She was brought to the merchant by the fairy godmother that is currently with the queen and the prince and Belle in the castle. Her mother was uh, the fairy's sister. So um, she is essentially a fairy descendant um and she's the niece of this fairy that is currently in the castle with her um and we also find out that the her bell's father is actually um like a king over the land which is so this this is going to get more into the like the backstory of how the beast became the beast um but they do talk about this in the in the story before they go into the the beast origins essentially so this is this is based 100 percent around bell right now um essentially the the queen is like she's not good enough for my son we need to find somebody else i'm thankful that she was able to turn my son from the beast into the prince but she's not good enough and then the fairy's like back up that's my niece okay so not only is she a um like a princess, a fairy princess, literally a fairy princess. She is descendant of the fairy line that this fairy godmother is specifically talking about. And she is also royalty um, based in like the human land. So we find out that her her mother fell in love with this with this king um, and they ended up having having uh, Belle um, and there's some laws based in the, the fairy world um, that says that they can't focus all of their their um their time on any one specific place or one specific person. So Belle's mother got in trouble for falling in love with this man and having a baby. Um so the the baby gets taken away from her um and uh this the sister ends up delivering Belle to the merchant who his wife had just passed away in childbirth. I believe she does some magic to make the merchant think, "Oh, this is your this is your baby um, and just leaves Belle with him um, with the intent of later introducing Belle to the beast. So we also learn that uh, Belle's father is alive. 
um he think he he thought for his entire or since since bell was born he thought that bell had died um and he also thought that his wife the fairy had also died but in actuality bell was taken and given to the merchant and his family and the mother bell's mother was taken by the fairy court and imprisoned now this is a lot this is like you don't get any of this in the movie like there's no reference to bell literally being a descendant of royalty or even like fairy bloodline but um it does explain the unnatural abilities that bell has like her her intelligence um and her creativity she is talented and well-spoken and she is like one of the most beautiful people in the entire land and this is based entirely on the fact that she is literally half fairy so the the ant fairy she explains all of this stuff to the queen and of course the queen's like holy crap this girl is actually like higher up in status than even i am so like yeah freaking marry my son please (laughs) immediately (laughs) um and this is essentially where the story ends um the story of the beauty and the beast specifically we see bell and and the beast or i'm sorry bell and the prince um finally are able to have a conversation and the the prince says thank you for for saving me um you know, lovey-dovey stuff. They kiss, they get married, they live a happily ever after, all that. The whole shebang. Um, at this point, when they're having this conversation, um, this is when the story ends. And then Beast goes into the explanation of how he was transformed into the Beast and why he was transformed into the Beast. Hello, my friends. You made it halfway through the episode, so now you will be rewarded with ads. Everyone loves ads, right? First, I want to say that I am so excited for Authors Intent to be a part of the Highline Network. We join the network alongside shows like No Normal People, Ravel, and Into. Here's a teaser from our sister show, Keller's Couch. Yeah, it was the day before, and I I remember telling Ryan, like, yeah, tomorrow's episode is canceled. And he's like, well, what happened? <laughs> I was walking in a corn maze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just just the message I got from you, Stephen, was great. Hey, man, sorry we can't make it tomorrow. We're going to the ER. Dixie may have broken her ankle in a corn maze. <laughs> Not even the haunted one. Yeah, like, wow, <laughs> it got real, huh? Find Authors Intent anywhere you find podcasts, and you can find us on Twitter at A underscore Intent Podcast and Instagram at Authors Intent. So the story of the beast um, starts after starts after the story of the Beauty and the Beast. So um, he. He begins by talking about like where he's from and uh, his his like bringing up. So he talks about his father momentarily. We learn that his father actually is the one that had died. His father had died before he was born. Um, we learn that the queen was extremely happy after not 
not because of the king's death, but because uh, the prince was born after the king had died, and that brought her great joy. And of course, they had no way of knowing if it was a boy or a girl. So when it was a boy, she was like beside herself with joy. We learn we learn uh, that the queen actually um, she takes over the the throne essentially for the king, um, and we learn that the queen. Um, actually has to like lead an army. Um, she, after the prince is born, she, uh, I think like a couple years after he's born, he's like maybe three or four years old. She has to travel to, um, to these like dignitaries and like confront them. She ends up being forced into this war for like 16 years. So she is away from the prince for almost 16 years. Um, and before she left, she left the prince in the care of another fairy. So not the ant fairy and not Belle's mother, um, a separate fairy. She leaves her son in the care of this fairy um, with the intent of this fairy raising raising the beast or raising the prince um essentially as her own and caring for him and teaching him um you know classic uh nanny stuff kind of so she leaves she leaves the prince with with this fairy this fairy um so actually i'm gonna i'm gonna talk a little bit about the order of the fairies there is a i it doesn't explain it very thoroughly but there is like an alternate world where these fairies live these fairies are, they're vast in number. There's hundreds of fairies. They live for thousands and thousands of years. Um, I believe that each fairy, when they hit like a, a specific, a specific age, they become essentially masters. So this fairy, Belle's mother and Belle's aunt, they are not they are not master fairies yet, but they are still going out into the world. Um, the task of these fairies is specifically to go to different places all over the world and help people. Um, they aren't to focus their their powers and their blessings over one specific group or one specific country or one specific person. They are supposed to spread spread it evenly. Essentially, they're supposed to bless anybody and everybody. Um, and the this this is when we learn that um, the queen actually calls upon the fairy to help with this. They help to help her raise her child because she's not going to be there. And 16 years in the eyes of a fairy is like nothing. That's like a day to a fairy, essentially. So it's not a big deal that this fairy was specifically chosen to take care of the prince. So the fairy comes and takes care of the prince. Uh, she raises him almost literally as her own. And this is where it gets weird. So he grows up. He's about 18, 18 to 20 years old now when the queen finally returns from, from the war, essentially. So she gets to like meet her son essentially the queen uh is so proud of her son she's she is amazed by him he is so intelligent um and he's so he's handsome he is brilliant all of this stuff so there there's some stuff that happens in the in between here she uh gets back from the war and then ends up having to go back um and her son begs begs her to let him go with her to lead a force um, in this army. Um, and of course she agrees. Um, he does 
a fantastic job. He he leads his own force. Um, They, you know, win the war and everything is fine and dandy. They come back home. The fairy is still there. Um, And we actually learn that the fairy has decided that she would like to marry the prince. Um, One specific thing about the fairies, we we learn that they are beautiful, but this specific fairy was not. This, This fairy wasn't necessarily attractive. On top of that, this fairy had raised the prince from like four years old until, you know, he was like almost 20. Um, And then this fairy just, you know, pops up and is like, okay, I would like to marry him now. Uh, ew. That's all I have to say about that. Of course, the queen is like, I understand that you are a fairy and that you are very high in status, but you are not good enough for my son. Um, the fairy, of course, gets pissed (laughs) and uh she this is this is when the beast turns into the beast she curses the beast uh she uh essentially says you you are going to be a hideous monster she makes him less intelligent to the point where he can't talk for more than a few minutes without you know completely losing his mind um because he's just not intelligent anymore um so he speaks monosyllabically which we see in the book earlier in the book she turns him into the weird scaly elephant monster that he is she transforms all of the the working staff into these statues um so if you remember in the last episode these statues um that looked like they were frozen in the middle of doing doing their work so she transforms all of these people she gives him only the you know animal attendance essentially um there isn't a time limit on on this curse she just she's pissed about not being able to marry this handsome prince. Um, So she just makes it so that it would be very difficult for him to ever find someone to marry him. Um, That was the only stipulation. The only stipulation is you have to find somebody who will marry you while looking like this and being stupid, essentially. That was the, that was the whole thing. Um, The other fairy, the fairy that we see with the queen um, when after Belle transforms the beast back into the prince. She shows up after after the beast is turned into the beast. Um, and of course, the queen is inconsolable. She goes to the queen and she tells him, tells her, you know what, I'm going to make I'm going to make this a little bit easier. And I promise you that I will find a way to turn him back into the prince. Um, she gives the beast these magical things like the windows into into the theaters and stuff like that. Um, she um, oh, actually, I think she gives that gives him the, the animal attendance and all of that stuff. Um, she, uh, I believe, blesses the garden to produce roses like year round, essentially. Um, and she tells the queen specifically i have someone who will be able to turn him back into the prince it's my niece um and she she's the only person that will ever be able to turn him back into what you remember him as um so the queen um another another part of the another part of the curse that the original fairy had laid on on the the beast and then also the grounds um nobody remembers who this is um and also if the queen were to go to anybody and tell anybody that this was her son 
and that the only way to change him back into who he is is to agree to marry him, um, the curse would be irremovable, essentially. So the the next fairy, the fairy that shows up with her after the, the end of the story of the Beauty and the Beast, um, the fairy tells her, you need to leave. You cannot be anywhere near here. For all intents and purposes, you can tell people that your son died. Like, that is the only option. You cannot tell people his predicament. Um, the original curse also makes it so that makes it so that the the grounds are difficult to find um, and touched by magic. So, like, even if somebody came across it, it's very unlikely that they would be able to find it again. So, all of this happens. Uh, the the new fairy says, "I will I will bless I will bless the beast." Um, and also, she grants the beast the ability to visit whoever is staying with him in dreams. And this is how we get the dream sequence with the handsome stranger of course the beast cannot say i'm the beast in his prince form in her dreams but he can still visit her in the dreams and um hopefully coerce or lead her into the right direction essentially all of this happens um we we learn i mean it just goes into the story of the beauty and the beast after that um there's not exactly a specific time frame that's given um reading it felt like this all happened and then like a few years later, Belle showed up, essentially, but there's not a specific timeline given. Um, at the end of the Beauty and the Beast, that story, we see uh we see Belle is reunited with her father. And then um at that reunion, we actually see that Belle's mother is released from the prison, the fairy prison. Um, and um she is reunited with her husband, the king, um, and finally gets to meet Belle. Um and of course, uh, Belle invites her her adopted father, the merchant, and all of her siblings to the wedding. And I think that's it. So I to go over the the story just one more time really quickly, there are a lot of differences in in the book to movie translation. There's vast differences. There are, of course, the big differences like how the beast looks, where it takes place, um, there's name changes. Uh, there's not so many characters like Gaston is not in it, um, LeFou's not in it, uh, Lumiere, Cogsworth, uh, Chip, Mrs. Potts. None of those people are in this story at all. Definitely, there's just there's just so much. There's just so much that's different. It's the same story in essence. It's like they boiled it down and they made a Lacroix, a Beauty and the Beast Lacroix. <laughs> like they the story is still somewhat present in the movies but you're not going to get the full flavor of it unless you read it um and that i mean so that is essentially why i started this podcast for books like this this book specifically is far so it's so different from what uh disney ended up making um, and I think that both stories are important to know and it actually helps you see clearly like the intention behind what they were doing in the movies. Um, so I would highly, highly, highly suggest reading this book. It is it is really beautiful and it's an easy read. It's only I think oh, there's no page numbers. Of course, I think it's maybe like 200 something pages um, and like 15 of those pages are actually the story of the beast and not just Beauty and the Beast. It's an easy read um, and just like the imagery that um, Madame de Villeneuve uh, wrote into it. Uh, it's just 
it's just gorgeous. Um, I will definitely put a link in in uh, the show notes and stuff like that to copies of this book. Um, and I'll leave while we're going through the Disney classics. I'll be sure to leave links to all of the books that I'm going through through these Disney classics um, in in the show notes so that you can access them and uh, and uh, yeah, read the book. I mean, it's just it's gorgeous. I don't even know anything else to say. Anyway, <laughs> thank you so much for joining me for Beauty and the Beast. I hope you enjoyed this conversation about it. Next week, I said, like I said earlier, next week is Thanksgiving, so no episode that week. And then the following week, we will be going into Sleeping Beauty. I decided um, over the last couple weeks that I do not want to go over Pocahontas. Um, and there are a lot of reasons for that, um, none of which I am going to discuss right now. Essentially, I just don't feel like I am the kind of person that would be good for discussing this. I don't think that this uh, is something that I should discuss on my platform, essentially. So I will leave that topic for anybody else that ever wants to talk about it. And I'd be happy to even invite somebody else to go over that um, that specific story. Uh, I just don't think that I'm the right person for it. Um, so I am going to be taking Pocahontas off the roster for this series. I will be adding stories like Hercules, um, I believe Pinocchio, um, and other stuff like that. If you follow on Instagram, I will be sure to make a list of all the books that I will be going through for the Disney classics. Um, yeah, I think that's everything. Thank you so much for joining me for Author's Intent. I hope you have a fantastic, uh, holiday season, specifically Thanksgiving, because that one's coming up. Uh, yeah. Thanks. Hey gang, Keller Paulson here. I know what you're thinking. What's going on? Who is this guy? Am I right? Well, I'm the host of Keller's Couch. Now, Keller's Couch is an interview podcast where I, Keller Paulson, interview people I find interesting that are doing cool things in the community. But it's not just that. My friends at Slapstick Improv and myself, we also do some improv comedy and sketch comedy every other episode. So, if this tickles your fancy, why don't you scoot on down? Pop a squat on Keller's couch. Bye. Highline Media Network. Artist-owned podcasts by normal people in normal places.